My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel intercede for me. Thomas called the twin, who was one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, we have seen the Lord. But he answered, unless I can see the holes that the nails have made in his hands, and can put my finger into the holes they made. And unless I can put my hand into his side, I refuse to believe. On this feast of St. Thomas, our Lord gives us this example of stubborn disbelief. Thomas makes this definite assertion against the faith. The apostles come to him and they said to him, we have seen the Lord. They are his friends, they're trustworthy, they're apostles. But Thomas refuses to believe anything that they say. In some ways, he's really the pits. And so he answers with those words, unless I can see the holes that the nails have made in his hands and put my finger into the holes, I will not believe. It's very definite, it's very clear. And then we're told that eight days later, the disciples were in the house again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were closed. The apostles were cowering in fear, hiding from the very people they were supposed to evangelize. But we're told Jesus came. The verb attached to the holy name, verbs attached to the holy name can be, can be impressive. Jesus came. He came in this low moment. He came in this moment of fear. And he also came through the closed doors. Christ also can enter into hearts that are closed. The doors of the heart may be closed against him, but he's able to penetrate everything. He can convert all sorts of hearts. He can change us on the inside. And so he came and he stood among them and he said, peace be with you. Our Lord could have upbraided the apostles for their lack of fidelity, for their lack of belief. He could have launched into a tirade against Thomas for being so ridiculous. But our Lord speaks words of peace. As they're telling us in all situations where we go, we have to bring peace. Situations of discord, of tension, of disagreement, of miscommunication of bitterness. 
first and foremost, we bring peace. Then he spoke to Thomas. It's interesting to see the affection with which our Lord deals with Thomas. He deals with them very tenderly, very gently, warms him up slowly, welcomes him, understands him in his weakness. And so our Lord understands us also in our weakness and reaches out to us in the same way that he did with Thomas. He spoke to Thomas and said, put your finger here. Look here on my hands. Give me your hand, put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving anymore, but believe. And so he invites Thomas to change, to start a whole new life, to become an authentic apostle. He invites him to live by faith. We're not told that Thomas actually put his hand into his side or put his finger into the wounds. We're just told that Thomas made this great act of faith, my Lord and my God. In the moments of the elevation, of the consecration of the Mass, those are very appropriate moments to repeat that aspiration of Thomas, that act of faith, my Lord and my God. And we could also use that act of faith in many other moments of our day when we find ourselves in the ordinary circumstances where God has placed us, in this job, with this task, fulfilling this duty, stuck in a traffic jam, having to wait in a queue, being a little bit impatient or frustrated, my Lord and my God, this is where you want me to be at this particular moment. This is your calling for me. This is my mission. This is where you want me to be holy, <clears throat> with this feeling of tiredness, or with this headache, or with this pain, or with this sense of frustration, my Lord and my God. St. Augustine says, Thomas saw and touched the man and acknowledged the God whom he neither saw nor touched. But by the means of what he saw and touched, he now put far away from him every doubt and believed the other. You could ask our Lord that he also might put away from us every doubt, every hesitation. It was to be able to launch out into the deep. From this moment forward, St. Thomas goes on to become a great saint and a great apostle. He's going to evangelize Persia and Syria. He's going to reach India, the outermost parts of the world, of the known world at that time. The sky's the limit. Jesus said to him, you believe because you can see me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. And so our Lord encourages us in the fact that we do not see and yet we believe. And so our Lord is helping all those who are to come over time. St. Thomas Aquinas says, those who believe without seeing 
are more meritorious than those who seeing believe. And so we can rest peaceful in that beatitude. Blessed are they who believe and you have, yet have not seen. There's another moment when our Lord was returning to Judea to visit his sick friend Lazarus. And there were dangers of that journey. There was a possible possibility of death because of the mounting hostility of these authorities. But Thomas accompanied, uh, Thomas encouraged the, the other apostles to accompany our Lord on that journey. Let us also go and die with him. And so Thomas is revealed as a dedicated and impetuous follower of our Lord. He goes out of his way. He's willing to go all the way. He holds nothing back. And so we could ask our Lord for that same grace. To be ready to give everything. To go the whole way. So as to follow you. And to be ready to risk everything. Because we know that everything is, is worth risking for our Lord. There's nothing that we can hold back. Our Lord calls us to be very focused on him, very Christ-centered. He wants everybody in every age to go the whole way. And so we see his determination. He gives us a valuable lesson. The way he's willing to follow the master is truly exemplary. He sets the bar very high. And so the most important thing is never to distance ourselves from our Lord. When the gospel uses the words to follow, it means that we have to go wherever he goes. Come follow me and I will make you into fishers of men. To Matthew he said, follow me. He wants us to have a total readiness to stand by our Lord. Thomas was ready to go all the way to the point of identifying himself and his own destiny with that of our Lord, even in sharing with him the supreme trial of his death. And so we're called to live a life with Jesus Christ spend a life together with him. St. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. And so he is to be in our heart and we have to be in his heart. There's another moment of the Last Supper when our Lord tells the apostles that he's going to go to prepare a place for them. So that where I am, you may be also. But Thomas raised his voice and said, well, we don't understand. We don't know where you're going. We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And our Lord uses this moment <clears throat> to reveal to them, say those wonderful words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
And so these words of our Lord are valid for, for us and for every age. When we hear these words, we can stand beside Thomas in spirit. And imagine that our Lord is speaking to us, inviting us to be very Christocentric. It also tells us how, well, we can ask our Lord questions, like Thomas did, when we realize how childlike we are, and we don't understand and see things. We can say to our Lord, I don't understand, listen to me, help me to understand. And so Thomas shows us a very frank way of praying, of speaking to our Lord, of expressing our meager capacity to understand. And at the same time, placing ourselves in the trusting attitude of someone who expects light and strength from the one who's able to provide them. A number of years ago in Singapore, there was a man an English man who had three sons in a school called Stonyhurst in England. It was celebrating its 500th anniversary. It was a Jesuit school started in 1495 at the time of great Catholic persecution in England. He brought back a little booklet about the history of the school. On the last page, there were a list of their most illustrious students. The first 15 were saints and the first 12 were martyrs very glorious history. And that school has stood throughout 500 years of a lot of difficulty for the Catholic Church in England. It stood there as a, as a witness, as a bastion of faith. It has produced many Cardinal Archbishops of Westminster and many very prominent lay people who have given great Christian witness down through the centuries. But if you think about all the people who made that school function over 500 years, their names are hidden in the bricks. They don't appear in this small little booklet. But yet because of them, this great enterprise went forward and led to a great witness at a national level. We don't see the bigger picture. The ordinary little things that we're doing every day may seem very trivial to us. But with faith, we can see how God is using our correspondence, our generosity, our punctuality, our docility, our humility, our effort to grow in virtue all the time in order to achieve these greater things that have to come with the course of time. They don't appear overnight. Some things take centuries to, to build up, but yet those are the works of God. And so all the things that our Lord was doing with us every day, we can be sure of some great divine purpose. And our Lord wants us to look at all the events that we encounter with the eyes of faith, so that we with St. Thomas can repeat my Lord and my God. And occasionally, well, we may hear of tsunamis or earthquakes or plane crashes or all sorts of things that are termed as human disasters. But with faith, we may see that behind these events, there are great spiritual lessons. 
Our Father God is speaking to us, lifting us up, helping us to see the hand of our Father God behind these events. We're told in the forge, my child, you can do nothing on the supernatural level through your own strength. But as when you become God's instrument, you can do everything. I can do all things in him who strengthens me. For in his goodness, he wishes to use inadequate instruments like you and me. And so we're instruments, like a paintbrush in the hand of an artist. We're just a paintbrush, we're a useless instrument. But we're in the hands of an artist. And like God working in and through that educational institution over centuries, God is using each one of us to paint a wonderful masterpiece, which we cannot understand from a human viewpoint. But when we look at things from a supernatural perspective, then we see things as God sees them. And that's how they are in reality. And so faith changes everything. And so after charity, the virtue that our Lord speaks most about in the Gospels is faith. Whenever our Lord found faith, he was always moved. To the centurion, he said, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. When he saw the faith of Abraham, Abraham, he was moved to say wonderful things. Because you have done this. Because you have not denied me, your son, your only son, whom you love. I will multiply your descendants like the grains of sand on the seashore. Our Lord promises all sorts of wonderful things to people of faith. He also marvels sometimes at the lack of belief. He marveled because of their unbelief. He was surprised they were so stubborn in their disbelief. And every time that people came to our Lord with faith, he found them irresistible. He turns towards the woman with the issue of blood. He turns away from the crowds to focus on the individual. He turns towards the paralytic. He turns to the leper. Go in peace, your faith has saved you. And so with great reason, we can turn to our Lord and ask him for an increase in this virtue. I told in the forge, if you persevere in your prayer with personal perseverance, God our Lord will give you all the means you need to be more effective and to spread his kingdom in the world. But you have to be faithful, asking, asking, asking. Are you really behaving this way? There might be times when we don't see the fruits. Or we wonder, am I wasting my time sowing these seeds or having this conversation with this person or placing these ideals in front of them or these challenges? It might seem that we get no response. But yet God is working. Like when you put seeds into the ground, you don't see them growing but you know they're moving on the inside and one day they will 
spread their shoots and their roots. We're told in the forge, faced by apparent sterility in your apostolate, you begin to detect the first waves of discouragement, which your faith rejects quite firmly. Notice how he says apparent sterility, because it's only apparent. It's an optical illusion. Every seed we sow will grow and yield abundant fruit in due time. Nothing is ever lost. But you realize, he continues, that you need a more humble, lively and operative faith. As someone who longs to bring health to souls, you should cry out, like the father of that sick boy possessed by the devil, Lord, help my unbelief. Have no doubt, the miracle will be performed again. From his position of lack of faith, Thomas goes forward to bring the seeds of faith to many places that were at the periphery of the, of the known world. He does great things. That act of faith energizes him, allows him to go forward. And the last words that our Lord said to St. Thomas have also relevance for us. Blessed have you believed because you have seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. And so our Lord is speaking to all those who come after Thomas. St. Luke tells us that blessed are the eyes which see what you see. And Thomas Aquinas says we... Those who believe without seeing are even more blessed. God has blessed them in a special way. Thomas, his case is important for us. Firstly, because it comforts us in our insecurity. It also shows us that every doubt can lead to an outcome brighter than any uncertainty. We can grow into the light of faith. And also because the words that Jesus addressed to Thomas remind us of the true meaning of mature faith and encourage us to persevere in spite of the difficulties along the journey of walking close to Christ. Later on in the gospel, we're also told that Thomas is a witness to the miraculous catch of fish, possibly as a reward for his act of faith. He sees the great number of fish that were so many that the net was almost breaking, as though encouraging the apostles in the great work of mission that they're about to, to embark on, the great fruits that are going to come. There's a phrase in the Old Testament that says the waters will pass through the mountains. When water comes to a mountain, <clears throat> a river, a stream, it can't go over the mountain, but somehow it goes around the mountain or through the mountain. It gets through the obstacles. And so our faith always helps us to get through the obstacles because God is with us. And if God is with us, who can be against us? 
Christianity has always been the great motor of change in the world. To the Catholic Church, the Holy Spirit has changed the face of the earth, particularly through education and health care. But it's all a work of faith. God is pure light, and our eyes are not capacitated for that light. And so we need to ask God to help the scales to fall from our eyes. Like the blind man, Lord, help me to see. I believe, help my unbelief. Help me to think with faith, to act with faith, to plan with faith, to work with faith, to pray with faith, to be open to all the plans you have for my life, so that I see everything is coming from your loving hands. I see my Father God in those things. If you evil as you are, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give good things to those who, who love him? How much more? And those words can lead us to dream with faith. In the forge, we're told sometimes the immediate future is full of worries. If we stop seeing things in a supernatural way, so faith, my child, faith, and more deeds. And that way, it is certain that our Father God will continue to solve your problems. Work on to the very end. My child, he who perseveres to the end, it's he who will be saved. We children of God have the means we need, you too. We will finish, we will top out our building. And we can do all things in him who strengthens us. With God there are no impossibles, they'll overcome all things, overcome always. When it's dark, you can see the stars. John Paul II, in a document at the beginning of the third millennium, on the threshold of the third millennium, he said, the Catholic religion is the religion of remaining in God. Abide in me and I in you. If we always remain in God, well, then we know everything will turn out right. Tough times don't last, tough people do. And so in our professional work, when there are demands or tensions or stresses or anxieties or discouragements, we can turn to our Father God in faith and also realize that life is made up of successes and failures. God has wanted certain failures in our life. Sometimes we learn more from our failures than we do from our successes. And this is what our life is all about. And we know with faith that God is behind each one of these things. He's also there in the failures. So that we learn to have more faith, more faith in the future. On many occasions, we're told in scripture that Our Lady did not understand the words that were spoken to her. But she said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to your word. 
There were times when the apostles didn't understand. They had toiled all night. They knew the area, they knew the fishing fields, they, they knew where it was good to fish and where it wasn't good to fish. They knew that there were no fish to be caught that night. But at your word, I will lower the net. I will not function with human reasoning. Sometimes our own reason can become unreasonable. God wants us to respond with faith to whatever we're told. Hence faith in our obedience, in our docility, in our humility, in our humiliating situations. God is here. And very often faith in God is expressed in the means that are placed in front of us. That we will get to heaven or that the building will get finished or that the job will get done well, we hope and we pray and all those things. But that this particular job that I'm doing now, this task, will lead to that end. Through this spiritual reading, through this spirit of prayer, through this mass, through this act of virtue, through being at home when I should be at home, through being in the place where I should be, by doing one by one, day by day, hour by hour, what I'm supposed to be doing, that that will lead us to the end. Well, that really is faith, faith in the means that God has given to us. And particularly faith in the spiritual means that God has given us to achieve our sanctity or to carry out our mission, to do apostolate, to get to heaven. And if sometimes our Lord wants us to react with heroic faith, with heroic sacrifice, well, then so be it. Lord, if you ask this thing from me, well, then, well, here it is. I give it to you. I know that you're going to use this thing for some greater good. And that's what I want. And so with faith, we could ask our Lord for deeper desires of personal holiness. When John Paul II talked about the vocation of Our Lady, he talked about it as a pilgrimage of faith and journeying forward to a certain destination. When we look at the life of Thomas, who journeyed from that defiant unbelief to being a great sower of the gospel in Persia, Syria, and India, where we see a wonderful trajectory, a wonderful pilgrimage. And so we could ask Our Lady, mother of faith put into practice, help us to put this virtue to practice in a more effective way every day. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections and inspirations that you have communicated to me during this meditation. I ask your help to put them into practice. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.